Miss Robin and Brother Eric, amen, on the trombone uh, today. So he's cool. He's got his own stand for it, amen. I've just laid mine on the pew. You got your own stand too, Miss Robin? I'm sorry, amen. Double cool up front. Forgive me, amen. <laughs> we come yet again to this sanctified week. You know, when you hear that term sanctified, it means to be set apart. This sanctified week of meetings <clears throat> that we have had now for 14 years at the end of April each year, in which I've been privileged to be your pastor here at Loomis Park, which we call Missions Conference. Missions Conference. We started in 2010, and it does me good to go down memory lane a little bit here. Our first one was keeping the home fires burning, and uh, many of you remember that slogan from World War II. Hey, you got to keep those factories humming, amen, to, to make sure that the, the tanks and the bullets get to the soldiers. Well, it's the same with missions. When the local church dies, the missionary doesn't have anybody to support them. And so it's important that we keep the home fires burning here in the local church, keep a, a fire for souls, amen, here. Then in 2011, we preached out of the passage we read from Matthew today on looking for labors. You know, Jesus' only prayer request is found in Matthew 9.38. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Brother Tom Crichton came and preached for us that, that year. The first year was Pastor Marty Shaw. And then we had Brother Dan Sousa come in 2012, the, the cowboy boot-wearing preacher from Connecticut. Amen. <laughs> and Brother Sousa, the theme that year was so much the more. So much the more. In 2013, my pastor came. And uh, the theme was, of course, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 on proving our love. You know, missions giving does prove our love for the Savior. And then the following year, his brother Russell came, and uh, the theme was for his sake from Philippians 1 and 29. And then again, I mentioned this, uh, I think it was last week, and then in Sunday school as well. I think, I think 2015 to this day is still the most memorable conference for me, and that was when we had Dr. Richard Vick. Dr. Vick, how many remember Dr. Vick when we had Dr. Vick that year, amen? And Dr. Vick was just so sweet, and we preached on our obedience equals God's obligation from the widow at Zarephath, how she obeyed God and God blessed. And some of you remember Dr. Vick had dementia, and a couple times during the week he, he kind of got stuck, and then I think it was Friday night he really got stuck. And that was, we, we just, we just, I remember, we just all came to the altar and prayed, and it was just a special conference. And Dr. Vic told us over and over and over, over and over and over and over and over, God loves people. You know what I love about that, Brother Downing? He had dementia, but the old devil couldn't get that thought out of his mind. God loved people. Boy, if each one of us, forgive me, if each one of us went to our grave with that on our lips, we'd be all right. God loves people. God loves people. Then in 2016, remember we had the Williamson family, Brother Steve Williamson, and we, our theme that year was, what are they among so many, the, the story of the loaves and the fishes, you know, what are our dollar bills and five dollar bills amongst eight billion people? Well, it's kind of like the story of the little boy on the seashore, and he's walking along the seashore, and he, he just grabs something, and he throws it in, he grabs something, and he throws it in, this 
older man, sometimes those of us get a little older can become a little cynical. And the older man says to him, he said, kid, what are you doing? He said, I'm saving starfish. And he's throwing them in. He said, he said you're never going to save all the starfish. And the kid looked down, saw one, threw it in. He said, save that one. You know, we're never going to save the whole world. But we'll save some. Because of missions giving. What are they among so many? Well, in 2000. 17, we had Brother Tim Rader with us from Kinross, dear brother. He preached on Go Reach the World, right out of Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Then in 2018, our, our friend Dan White from Fellowship Baptist, right down the road here. We love Pastor White. And uh, Pastor White, our theme that year was Our Compassion for His Commission. Then in 2019, Brother Kaufman came and we preached on Where's Your Heart? Where Your Heart Is. There will your treasure be also. And then in 2020, there was this thing called COVID. We had a conference planned. By the way, church, we took care of all the missionaries we had scheduled as well and didn't suffer for it, not one bit. But our theme that year was a fruitful accounting. I got to preach that message a couple months later, amen, and uh, praise the Lord. 2021, we had Brother Rick Mitchell Brother Rick, we, we looked at so doing from Matthew 24, verse 46. Blessed is that servant when his Lord cometh shall find so doing. Just being faithful. And then last year, our friend Darren Tharp preached on press on, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. What is a missions conference? Well, if you're in Sunday school, you got, you got a, a load full, Amen. But a missions conference is a full week of meetings. We, we have church tonight, and then Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. It's a full week of meetings, and each night we'll have a missionary present uh, their work or field or, uh, or report. I think we have one of our own missionaries that will be reporting, to, and, and they're telling us of, of their desire to get to that particular field and to reach the souls where they believe that God has called them. And they come, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this right now, they come unashamedly. They're going to be humble. They're going to say, we, we want your prayer support. Yeah, and money. Listen, that's no secret. It takes money to send missionaries across the world. I'm thankful for every missionary that says, we need your prayer support. But I'm also thankful for the ones that say, we need your money too. Amen. And they're coming to possibly try to raise financial support that churches like ours may choose to partner with them. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I love missionaries. Uh, they are precious servants of God. I remember years ago we supported a missionary and they, they had uh, a child right about the time that Katia was born. And they had a child right about the same time, and I remember they took a picture of him, and his name was Daniel, and they posted it on Facebook, Brother Al, and they said, this is Daniel in his happy place. And he had this big smile on his face. And you know what his happy place was, Brother Joe? A car seat. They said, Daniel is, I think it was three months old. He said, Daniel has traveled 10,000 miles in this car seat. That's missionaries. Let me, let me just, again, this is just kind of a way of exhortation to the church. Can I, can I just give you some, some bees, some bees about this week? Number one, be here. Be here. 
I know it's I know it's a long week. I know some of you are going to be coming right off work, and don't worry about. Forgive me. Don't worry about your coat and tie. You come right off work. We just want you here. Be here. The devil and his imps will try to keep you away. You'll be tired. Something will break. The kids will be upset. There'll be homework. Listen, just make a determination. I'm going to be here. How about this? Be prayerful. You know why Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers in the harvest? He did that. We'll talk about it in just a minute, obviously, because of the size of the harvest. But here's something that you need to learn. You can't pray about laborers for very long without wanting to be one. Huh? Oh, you may say, oh, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to Mongolia. No, but you know what? You can be prayerful about what you can do for missions. Be here, be prayerful. Be generous, church. I don't have to, I, I don't have to linger long on this. This is a generous church, especially when it comes to missionaries. But be generous this week. We'll be receiving offerings each night. Let's just be a blessing. You got a little extra, great. By the way, if you don't, God understands. I've seen, listen, I've seen people that didn't have it put change in the bucket. I've seen people say, you know what, I've got some cans at my house, I'm bringing them back so I can give offerings to the missionaries. To God be the glory. I've seen other people drop $100 bills in there. Praise the Lord for both and all God's people said. Be generous. Why? Because the Bible says if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. Be here, be prayerful, be generous. And I tell you this, be listening. Be listening. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. God wants to speak to your heart this week. You know, I mentioned on, on social media, I think it was yesterday, it was 27 years ago, my wife and I attended our first missions conference, and, and God spoke to my heart about being involved. And He'll speak to your heart if you're listening. And then, boy, can I say this, church, and, and, and again, this is no problem here. I, I hear missionary horror stories, but be kind to the missionaries, please. Be kind to the, to the children. I remember several years ago, we were sitting right up here. Matter of fact, Al and Scotty were right there, right next to us, and we had some missionaries uh, come, and, and it was the end of the week, man, and those kids were worn out. You know, forgive me, missionary kids... You know, Jack and Will, I'm sure you've seen the Kobiak presentation about 8,000 times, amen? Yeah. Those kids, I mean, they've been in every church, seen that thing. They, you know, sometimes you say, just don't move your lips with the actual recording because you've seen it so many. And I was behind, I was right back there watching this presentation, and uh, one of the kids was like, and forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, but the mom jerked that boy by the neck. And he was like, you know, and, and again, you parents are out there. You know, you've tried to keep your kids awake during my sermons. It's difficult. Uh, my sermons are a sure cure for insomnia for children, amen. And, uh, but she, and then she did it again, Brother Wilson. I was like, and I was one row back. And I normally don't step into people's affairs. But she went to do it a third time, and I just grabbed her by, I didn't grab her by the arm. I just put my, I put my hand on her arm and said, I said, sister, it's okay. We're not going to be mad if he falls asleep. Not going, to, not going to determine whether we support you or not. You know what? Those kids, they, they spend a lot of time in the car. Just be kind to them this week. It'd do you real good if those of you that can, get down on one knee and learn those kids' names. Sure is a, sure is a blessing when, when you go someplace and somebody already knows your name. Starts talking to you. Amen. Be kind. Be kind uh, to them. These missionaries, they, they travel 
untold hours, and they're in meetings for the cause of Christ, and they're trying to get to a field on our behalf. Be kind, be listening, be generous, be prayerful, be here. Well, in our text, if you go to Matthew chapter 9, I'm just going to run through these texts, and I've got a simple message today. Matthew chapter 9, we notice the miracles in verse number 35. I love this text. It, it, it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages. If you uh, mark your Bibles, you know that word all is a, a pretty important word. It says, in teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing how many sicknesses, church? Every sickness. And what else? Every disease among the people. That. That's a day's work right there, amen? And so we see the miracles here. But then we see the master in verses 35 and 36 there. And it says there, he's among the people. He went out in the cities of the villages, and he's teaching in the synagogues. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I love the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Holy One, was around sinners. He wasn't like the Pharisees. Ooh. Ooh, what have you done? Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Every one of us, forgive me, has a skeleton in our closet of our past. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us has something that if everyone else knew, we would bow our heads in shame, except Jesus. And you know what he gave us? The example. He's among the people. God help us, amen, that as Christians. And I, and I understand, listen, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things we can't consent to. There are some things we can't go to. There are some places we can't go. But I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of places we can go where sinners go, amen. He's the, the miracles, the master. Well, then, of course, in verse 36, you see the multitudes. It says there at the end of verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, here's, here's these multitudes of people just teeming uh, masses. And then there's the moving. It says there in verse 36, he was moved with compassion. He, he saw them. They were scattered and, and they were everywhere and they had all these problems and it, and it moved him. And then we see. Not only is he moved with compassion, but why is he moved with compassion? I I call this the mess. Not only the miracles and the master and the multitude and the moving, but the mess. What moved him with compassion? Because they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd, no direction, no purpose. You know, I was listening to a, a, a preacher, a street preacher, and he was talking back and forth with an atheist and, and trying to reason with this atheist. And he said, he, he came to them and he said, listen, and, and the, the, you could tell there was a little bit of mockery in the atheist's argument and whatnot. But uh, the man said, look, he said, no matter how you break atheism down, it ends with absolutely no purpose. It starts with an accident and ends with no purpose. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that, not, not everybody may be an atheist out there, but there are a whole bunch of scattered multitudes out there that have no shepherd. They have nobody to, to bring them. And Jesus saw that. He saw that mess. And again, I, we've said this many, many times, ladies and gentlemen. We could, of course, say amen to this. This world is in a mess. It's in a mess. Well, sometimes what it does is it causes us to bow our back. And think, well, you know, well, what it ought to do is break our heart. 
mess. Then there's the message in verse 37, the miracles, the master, the multitude, the moving, the mess, the message. What's the message in verse 37? Then saith he unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What's the message there? Hey, there's a large harvest and only a little help. Large harvest and a little help. You know, the attendance for Sunday morning church is always the best. And the attendance for Saturday soul winning is always the worst. There's a large harvest, and it's not in this room. Oh, we may harvest occasionally in a service. Say, what do you mean? People get saved. Miss Karina came forward a couple weeks ago, got saved, amen. What a blessing, Miss Judy led her to the Lord. But the, the sinners are out there. They're out there. The message is there's a large harvest and little help, but then there's the must in verse number 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. What does he say there? He said, tells us to pray, ask the Lord to send someone, and you know what else you can do? You can present your bodies a living sacrifice and be that someone. So, but I want you to notice there in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitude, when he saw. Now go over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Great chapter of the Word of God. It's the, the story of the conversion of the woman at the well. And in verses 1 through 5, we see the way. And it's highlighted particularly in verse number 4 where it speaks of Jesus here. It says, he must needs go through Samaria. No self-respecting Hebrew went through Samaria. Why? Because that's where the Samaritans lived. The Samaritans were traitors. The Samaritans had sold out their people. So all these years later, the Jews would walk around Samaria. They would go way out of their way to avoid it. And Miss Kim here, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. You know why he had to go through Samaria? Because there was a sinful woman there that he had an appointment with. Nobody knew that but him. But we see the way. And then we see the weariness. I love this in verse number 6. It says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being what, church? Wearied from his journey. You know, we just celebrated, of course, a Resurrection Sunday. And, and you know the, the bookend Sundays of the Christian faith are uh, Christmas Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, one celebrating the birth of Christ and one celebrating the death and victorious resurrection of Christ. But in between there, la listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jesus Christ, it, there's a, a theological term for it. It's called the hypostatic union. It means this, that Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, was 100% God and 100% man. You know what that means? Did you ever get tired? You can say amen. So did he. Hmm? Did, you ever, did you ever get worn out? Somebody's saying, yeah, yesterday, Pastor, from the couple's date, it was wearing out. Amen, yeah. You ever get worn out? Yeah, well, here Jesus is worn out. You know why? 
because he had a physical body just like you and I. The weariness. The way. And then we meet the woman in verse number 7. It says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. It's been well noted by many commentators that this would not be the time of day that the respectable women of the town would come out to draw water, but rather the, the sinful women. And so we see not only the, the way and the weariness and the woman, and we see the water. There's this conversation that takes place uh, between Jesus and this woman regarding water. And Jesus says in verse 13, if you look at it there, he said, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water here at Jacob's well shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is using a simple illustration here of uh, something that I think we can all understand, and that is the quenching of thirst. Anybody here really, really, really been thirsty before? I can literally count one time in my life where I have been. I mean, you know, there's been sports camps and all that where you just feel like you're dying and the coach says, no water. You remember coaches used to say, no water. Now they actually learn water's helpful. Where were those coaches when I was a kid? Amen. One time, my wife and I went hiking, our 10th anniversary in Kauai. We did a 1.8-mile descent, 1,500-foot descent to get to the lookout point. We were so high up, Brother Joe, that helicopters were flying underneath us. That's pretty high. Well, then... You know, we're, we're just eating, and I'm drinking water along the way, and we got backpacking all of a sudden, and then we look, and there's not much water left. And I realized we went 1,500 feet down. And I, again, I'm, I'm no topography major here, but 1,500 feet down is a lot easier than 1,500 feet up. So we had to climb the whole way out, and that water ran out real fast. We drove, and then, and then you have to drive. And this is how you drive on a mountain in Hawaii. And it took us about 20 minutes to get to the bottom. There was a, we actually went to the ranger station and looked outside for a spigot. See, I'm of the generation that used to drink out of the spigot. Hallelujah. I'm fine, though. I'm fine. Hasn't, hasn't affected me at all. We went all the way down the hill, Brother Mike, and finally got there, and I got one of those giant, like, I, I, two, it was, I think it was a two-liter. And I, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, I had no decorum whatsoever. I was so thirsty. It was dribbling all over me. If, the, if there was anybody else that was as thirsty, it would have been underneath me like this, like Ben-Hur, you know, just like gobbling it up. Oh, my goodness, was so thirsty. Jesus here uses the illustration that in the heat of the day that a woman could understand what it was to be thirsty. But he said, I'm not talking about physical thirst. I'm talking about satisfying your spiritual thirst. By the way, only Jesus can do that. Nobody else can do that. 
So there's the, the way, the weariness, the woman, the water. And then there are the words in verses 16 through 19. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. This is what uh, we call in uh, soul winning confrontation. This is confrontation. He's, he's had the conversation. Now he's gotten to the confrontation. So what's the purpose of confrontation? To get somebody to see their own sin. We're all sinners, absolutely. But the lost person needs to realize they're a sinner. So there's the words. And then they deal with the subject of worship in verses 20 through 26. And Jesus said a great verse there in verse number 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That last word is missing from a lot of modern worship. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if they, if they agree not with this book, it is because there is no truth in them, Isaiah 8.20 says. No truth. In them, uh, spirit and truth. And so they talk about worship. And then there's the witness in verses 27 through 30 and verses 39 through 40. If you look at it there, it says, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou or why talkest with her? The woman then left her water pot, went into the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ then they went out of the city and came on him if you jump down to verse 39 it says and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified he told me all things that ever I did but then verse 41 says and many more believed because of his own word we, we heard him ourselves. the witness notice with me in verse 31 there's a concern and the concern is Jesus' disciples are concerned for him. He says there in verse number 31, it says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Jesus was so busy, doing so much, helping so many, healing so many, that his disciples were concerned with his physical health. Master, you need to eat. You need, to, you need to take a bite. You ever get like that where you just, you're working or you're doing something and, and, and you, just, you just forget? And the next thing you know, you're like, whoa. Ears, they're, they're concerned. And by the way, I love the fact that his disciples are concerned for him. There's a humanity there. But then there's not only the concern, there's the comment that Jesus makes in verse number 32. He says, but he said unto them, I have meat to eat. That ye know not of. Again, he, he, he dealt with spiritual water earlier in the chapter. And here he deals with spiritual food. This comment. So then there's confusion in verse 33. So there's the concern and the comment and the confusion. What's the confusion? They, they, they huddle up, amen, the disciples. They get together and say, 
Have any man brought him aught to eat? Did you bring him? Did you bring him fish? Or did you did you bring him a sandwich? Or did you bring him some bread? Or no, I didn't bring him. Did you bring him? I said, there's confusion there. Then there's the clarification by Jesus in verse 34. He said, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This, this is not Jesus discounting that we do need physical food. We, do, we all need that in all God's people said. Not nearly as much in the quantities as we consume it in all God's people said. <laughs> but we do need food. But he's saying this, my spiritual food is to obey God. You know, it do us well to get on that diet. Hmm? it do us well to get on that diet of saying, hey, my spiritual food is to obey my Heavenly Father. So there's the concern, there's the comment, there's the confusion, there's the clarification, and, and really where we're going to focus in for about the next 15 minutes here is the call. The call is in verse 35. The call. What's it say there in verse number 35, if you look there with me? It says, Say ye not, there are four months, and then cometh harvest. Again, he's giving another physical illustration here. Okay? Now, we could, we could say that right now. It's April. It's not harvest time right now. Right? Around here, if you look at the fields, they're, they're just all... The earth has just been turned up. It's getting ready for sowing. It's not harvest time right now. But Jesus moves from the physical illustration, physical water to spiritual water, physical food to spiritual food, physical harvest to spiritual harvest. He said, when it comes to the spiritual harvest, don't say there are four months and then come with harvest. He says there in verse 35, Behold, I say unto you, and here's our theme this week, ladies and gentlemen. As you look around and you see all these flags, you see them representing countries and representing souls. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Lift up your eyes and look what does he want us to see? What does he want us to see in that call? I believe he calls us to look and see the sorrowful. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you know this. When it comes to sorrows, when it comes to trials, when it comes to tribulations, it rains on the just and the unjust, doesn't it? There are people in this room that carry heavy sorrows, deep hurts. Wounds that haven't healed for many years. But you've got somebody that you can take them to. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And though the sorrows haven't gone away, you've been able to take them to the Lord, and the Lord's been able to sustain you. He tells us, lift up your eyes and look on the fields and see those sorrowful people out there. I've stood by many a graveside. It's one of the most 
it's a great conundrum for a preacher because it's one of the greatest and yet saddest things that a pastor does is to minister to the living and bury the dead. And I have quoted 1 Thessalonians 4.13 countless times as we have stood by an open grave. And that is this, we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this week, yeah, it's missions, yeah, it's these different countries, but God help us even in our own area to lift up our eyes and look on the fields. Why? Because they're ripe for harvest. There's so many sorrowing people out there. There's so much sorrow out there. God help us to get past our own troubles. Because you know what? You know where your troubles end if you're a Christian? Heaven. How many times I've heard somebody say uh, to somebody that didn't have a testimony of salvation, well, I'm just glad they're not suffering anymore. No, and, there's not, and by the way, there's nothing funny about that. Nothing funny about that at all because they're probably just started their journey of suffering. And God wants us to lift up our eyes and look on the fields. Because there are people out there that are sorrowful. You know what, Jesus, what moved him? Not only the call, lift up our eyes and look at the sorrowful, but look at the shepherdless. Look at people just aimlessly going with no direction. By the way, if you got saved a little bit later in life, you ought to remember what you were. I'm glad for when I got saved. I, I really am. I wish I, wish I would have grown up in church and, and all those things. But you know what? I've learned this. The grass is always greener on the other side. Maybe, maybe I would have ran away from God. Who knows if I was 18 years old or whatever. God chose to save me at 23. And it does me good to remember how shepherdless my life was before Jesus. The shepherdlessness of people out there. The sorrowfulness. Hey, how about this, ladies and gentlemen? How about the sinfulness of people out? People that don't know Christ. You know, sometimes we hear a person cuss and we get all, oh. They do that because they're lost. That's what lost people do. Lost people drink. Lost people smoke. Lost people cuss. That, that's what lost people do. That's what sinners do. And but by the grace of God, that's what we would do. You know what we need to do? Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. We need to lift up our eyes. Look around. Lift up our eyes and look. That's the command here. The, the call of Jesus is to look. Lift up our eyes and look. Look at the sorrowful. Look at the shepherdless. Look at the sinful. And then ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, look at the souls. I'm told there's a running clock that says three people pass into eternity every second. Eight billion people on planet Earth. Say, Pastor, we can't save them all, but we can save more. Here's what Matthew 25 and 46 says. It says, the righteous will enter into life eternal, and the wicked shall be cast into hell. That's it. Is there a third destination? Nope. Nope. We need to lift up our eyes. 
We need to lift up our, forgive me, and, and if you lift up your eyes, you'll, forgive me, you'll stuff your pockets. And maybe we'll, this week we'll empty this a little bit. Say, ah, there's nothing in there but receipts anyway, Pat. We'll empty those out anyway. Listen. <laughs> what do we see here by faith? What, what, is, what does God want us to see? What does God want us to lift up our eyes? Yes, the, the sorrowful, the shepherdless, the sinful. In the text, he, I believe, just three things, and, and we'll be done this morning, right on time. I believe he would have us to see in verse 35 the readiness of the harvest. Verse 35, say ye not four months, then come with harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There are people all around us who need the gospel. Not just all around the world, though around the world too. There are people all around us. So the, the readiness of the harvest. He would have us to see the readiness of the harvest. And I don't believe that means you'll always see people saved everywhere you go. Some people are better uh, witnesses than others. But I'll tell you this, Brother Wilson, it does mean that there are candidates to be saved all around us. Somebody 28 years ago gave me one of these tracks, a coworker. Brother John and I were talking about it yesterday. I said, I've said this for years. He had the spiritual decency to give me a gospel track. You say, why do you say spiritual decency? Because if you're going to heaven and you don't care if people are going to hell, that's not very decent. Well, I know the way to heaven, but I'm not going to tell you. Now, no one would ever say that. No one would ever say that. But what we do says it. Thank you for that amen, Tommy. Amen. Well placed. The readiness of the harvest. What else does he want us to see here in this text? Not only the readiness of the harvest, but the reapers are needed. The reapers of the harvest are needed. The readiness of the harvest. Look there at verse number 36. He says, lift, or verse 35, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest, and he that reapeth receiveth wages. Meaning, there's got to be somebody that's going to go out there and reap the harvest. We were blessed. Many years ago, we had Pastor Donald Savini was with us, and then uh, for a very brief period, we had Pastor Mark Messer. Many of you remember Pastor Mark play that piano, and, and, uh, and you remember, God opened up a door for them to record uh, an album with Faith Music Missions. It's one of my favorite CDs. It wasn't when my daughter, Katia, was little, because she always wanted to listen to a song called The Bottom of the Barrel. She'd say, Daddy, can we listen to The Bottom of the Barrel on the way home? And I got home, and I text all of them, Brother Sammons, that you could listen to The Bottom of the Barrel five times between... Loomis Park and Easton Road. Amen. I got a little sick of the bottom. I was like, I'm dragging the bottom of the barrel here. One of the songs Pastor Mark had the solo in it, it was called, My, my House is Full and My Fields Are Empty. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's a harvest out there, but we need people to reap it. We need, we need people to go and care and like Jesus, to have compassion. 
See, that's what will drive you. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. When Saturday's a duty, it won't take long. When, when this week's a duty, uh, I appreciate people that will come out of duty. I really do. I genuinely appreciate that. But when it's motivated by love, it's not so much duty, it's love. Do I love Jesus? If you love Jesus, you'll love souls. So there's the readiness of the harvest. There's the reapers are needed for the harvest. Guided by compassion, burdened reapers, faithful, sacrificial, all of that is Christ-like, isn't it? When you think about it. But then lastly, and don't forget this, ladies and gentlemen, verses 37 and 38. Verse 36 too, it says, He that reapeth receiveth what? Wages. And gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. There was a song that was recorded many years ago called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And the, the, the one man who wrote it went bad. He, he just went real bad. Went off the deep end. But the song remains. And it talks about in that, that last stanza of the song, I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I'm most sure there were tears in your eyes when Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord and he said, my child, look around you, for great is your reward. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the only thing you can take to heaven with you is souls. That's it. That's the reward. You know, some people have been on your prayer list for years. I had people tell me, Brother Wilson, they were praying for my dad for years. On the last day of my dad's life, he got saved. Marty Schott went and visited him in the hospital. He had had a minor stroke. Couldn't talk. I had, I had been here for two days here at Loomis. I'm sure glad Marty Shot was willing to reap. But you know what? The reward one day when I hug my dad is we're going to walk over to Pastor Shot and hug him. And then we're going to say, how many of you prayed for my dad? And I, listen, if you're, if you're, if you're worried about testimony time in heaven, you better just listen. You better pack a lunch. Because it's going to be a while. It's going it's to take a while. And all of it's going to be is all because of Jesus. This week, I hope God burdens your heart to just do a little more. Maybe just be a little more faithful. Maybe you are faithful. It's not, it's not a scolding message. Yeah, I don't Hope you understand my heart as your pastor. I, by the way, I've told our folks so many times. I understand this Saturday is there, there's a reason why we don't do anything this Saturday. So well, you're always talking about going out on Saturday. We don't do anything this Saturday. Yeah, there's a few of those times during the year where I realize, listen, our people. It's going to be a long week. 
want you to get some rest. I know, the, the, especially this time of year, the grass needs to be cut. Amen. All that, I understand all that, but also understand just developing those spiritual habits. Here's, what we, here's the spiritual habit that I want us to try to get this week. Lift up your eyes. Just take a look around. Just take a look around. You say, well, pastor, it's discouraging. Yeah, and God wants us to do something about it. God wants us to be salt and light and wants us to send people to dark places and wants us to go here in our town and bring people hope in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads.